Welcome. Good to be with you. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, your host, the king of common sense, the sage of Southern Nevada. Happy to be with you. I had a um, uh, an opportunity yesterday to meet with April Becker, who is uh, running for Congress here in town. What an impressive candidate she is. Uh, I've known her quite a while, and um, so I, I really enjoyed that, and I'll, I'll certainly try to have her on the program here in the coming weeks, uh, certainly maybe even before the primary. I'd like to do that. June 14th, primary here. Early voting has begun, I believe. Uh, well, no, we'll begin in two days. So follow that. Make sure you get out there and vote. Very, very important. The Culinary Union, I just want to mention this really quickly. They, here in Las Vegas, they have signed a three-year contract with Resource World, apparently, fully unionizing the property. This is, well, this is not, not great news at all. One of, the, I, one of the most challenging things I find, I can tell the properties that are fully unionized. For example, the Wynn. Uh, I, I have found that it's, the, the properties just, the, that the restaurants, sure, the restaurants and the, the the staff, everything just moves at a glacial pace. Uh, you can see dirty tables and dirty countertops, and you know it's because you've got all these rules that are being followed for the benefit of the workers. And I, I mean, it, and then I hear from the people in there saying these rules are frustrating. I, I can't do my job because I have got I've got to go through all these layers of things. So I hope. This is not ultimately detrimental to Resorts World, but I have my concerns. This is not a sports show, but I am fascinated by the news that Colin Kaepernick is going to be working out with the Raiders. Today, he was not spotted on the field. And as I understand it, this is a decision that was entirely initiated by Mark Davis. So no one there wants Kaepernick anywhere near the locker room. Well, Derek Carr is a conservative. He's a, he has, they have zero interest. That team has zero interest for Kaepernick. And even if it weren't a political thing, for some, it's a political thing. But for the rest of the team, this is a team that doesn't need any distractions. So what are we going to do? We're going to put in one of the greatest distractions in the NFL. It's absolutely mind-boggling so we'll see how this turns out i expect eventually a u-turn on this because i i as i understand it there's nothing short of a revolt going on behind the scenes so stay tuned on that in the news today one of the leading topics that is that has got people scratching their heads or worse is the lack of police response to the school in Uvalde, Texas, as the gunman broke in and barricaded himself in a classroom. There were as many as 80 law enforcement personnel waiting outside, parents distressed, begging them to enter the school, and they were figuring out what to do and how to do it. This is not the playbook in 2022 for how to handle these shootings. I, it's you know, before Columbine, 
a gunman that entered a school or any kind of a, a public place and had barricaded himself in, it would be treated as a hostage deal. And, and that's just not the case anymore. We do not do that because we've learned what happens when the gunman is allowed to uh, continue uh, killing. So this uh, this is what's been you know been in the news. And uh, my response to it is that everything that occurs has to be given context in the greater scheme of things going on. And one of those things is that it was not that long ago that Democrats were screaming at the top of their lungs that we defund the police. But specifically, there was a call to remove school resource officers from high schools and junior highs across the country and replace them with counselors or social workers. In fact, uh, there was a bill some time ago that was introduced by Senator Chris Murphy, Elizabeth Warren, and Tina Smith, along with some of our friends in Congress, including Ilhan Omar, and would have prohibited federal funding to be used for police in schools. This bill was called the Counseling Not Criminalization in Schools Act. And of course, the premise for this was that having cops on campus was bad for students of color and minorities and so forth and so on, and that the oppressors need to be removed from the school and replaced with feel-good counselors that were there to uplift students. Uh, no word on what their position is now, other than this is the very same Senator Murphy, who yesterday in the U.S. Senate said this. Why do you spend all this time running for the United States Senate? Why do you go through all the hassle of getting this job, of putting yourself in a position of authority? If your answer is that as this slaughter increases, as our kids run for their lives, we do nothing. What are we doing? Why are you here if not to solve a problem as existential as this? This isn't inevitable. These kids weren't unlucky. This only happens in this country and nowhere else. Nowhere else do little kids go to school thinking that they might be shot that day. But I'm here on this floor to beg, to literally get down on my hands and knees and beg my colleagues. Find a path forward here. Work with us to find a way to pass laws that make this less likely. I understand my Republican colleagues will not agree to everything that I may support, but there is a common denominator that we can find. Yeah. This guy is either totally phony or stupid because two years ago, he's pushing for legislation that would ban federal funding for police in schools. Yesterday on the show, I took some time to mention that this is a problem that is not a gun problem. It is a broader problem, a societal problem from everything involving social media, ADHD and depression over medication, violent video games and violent movies, iPhones, tablets, screens. 
I went through some of the history, right? Because the, the facts matter. Between 1903, 1966, so what do we have that? 63 years, only three school mass shootings. That's four or more dead. From 1972 to 2012, that's 40 years in that period. Two school shootings, one of which was Columbine. Then from 2012 to 2022, the last decade, four school shootings, and four of those happened just in the last three years. No real frequency until 1993. We have to examine why that is. And I don't know if it's a problem that, that is easily fixable. It's certainly a problem that will require a re a top to bottom reevaluation of how we are as a society. Uh, but I, uh, but let me say this. I do think that there are things in the short term that we can do. We can see, we can do more to secure schools. We can add officers on campus. My kids go to a private school. The, the, the campus is absolutely sealed and locked from the outside. They have security on campus that's armed. So, you know, again, you've got the party right now yelling about gun control. You've got the Democrats screaming that this is a gun issue. They're crying on the floor of the U.S. Senate. And it gives me no pleasure to say that I think these are, are crocodile phony tears because they were the same people screaming that we don't want cops in schools. Now, the flip side of it is, of course, we need cops to know what they're doing. I'm reminded of the shooting in Florida, Parkland shooting. If there was, there was a school resource officer cop on campus and he ended up getting fired for hiding behind a pillar during the, during the shooting rampage, he hid, which was embarrassing and, and ultimately, I believe, cost lives that day. Yeah, I'm going to play this because I, it's just for me as a parent, and I think this is so heart-wrenching to hear. These are parents outside of the school. Well, you can't really tell what's going on, but they're, they're crying, and they are distressed and begging the police to do something. And, you know, they're just standing outside waiting, figuring out what to do. It's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy. It's heart-wrenching. It breaks, it breaks my, my heart, my soul. I don't know what happened. We're going to figure it out. We'll hear more about it. But um, apparently they couldn't find the key to the classroom. They couldn't break a window. I don't know. Something could have been done. If I, I just cannot imagine if it's your kid, if it's my kid, we're going to run in there with our bare hands. So uh, we'll find out what this was all about. But it's absolutely terrifying. I want to say something about this when we come back, uh, taking a quick break, but I, I do want to say there's something that I've witnessed in the last little while that I think is huge, that is a component of this that is commonplace, has nothing to do with guns, but is, I believe, a significant factor in how we've deteriorated as a society and why we're doing great harm to our kids. 
And I want to talk to you about that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to What's Right. Sam Rajofsky here. And we'll be back right after this. Accountability after an accident means more than just a settlement check. It means getting you back to 100%. We hold the insurance company accountable for what they owe you. Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Sam Rajofsky here. You're listening to What's Right. Uh, well, we're having a great day going through the, all the stuff going on. Uh, one of the things that I'm going to do here right after the break is I'm going to have a guy named Chris May talk to us. Chris lives in Henderson, and he has got the association from hell. He's put some stickers on his car that signal support for Donald Trump and displeasure with Joe Biden, and his association is... Well, they are going after him hard to the point where they've hired a lawyer who is a real D-bag. And this guy's writing him emails. I've read them. I've reviewed them. It's hair-raising stuff. But we'll have Chris on after the bottom of the hour uh, tell us what's going on. Fascinating, uh, fascinating story and probably very relatable, many of you dealing with associations here in the Valley. Look, I, as I'm looking at these shootings, I'm looking at all this antisocial behavior, and I, I see causal links that, you know that that I that I relate to as a as a parent because I I see my kids and I see my kids' friends who are raised differently. Some some of them raised differently than than my kids are, and I I look at the differences and I I try to you know think in my head what are the causes of some of these some of these uh, behavioral issues that some of these kids have, and one thing that I find just so perplexing. And sad, honestly, is the dinner table at a restaurant, wherever it is, sometimes even at people's homes, where little kids as young as three, four, are given an iPad or a tablet at dinner to stare at to keep them occupied so the adults can have a good time. Now, this seems like a benign thing, right? Sitting at the table, you want to have a little bit of adult conversation. You're catching up with friends. You're in a restaurant. You want your kid to behave. And so you give them the iPad. It seems innocuous. But it's not. Now, I have seen kids who've now had this type of parenting done to them for a while. And these kids are so dependent on the up that comes from the gadget that they, they don't know how to interact with kids. They, they, they can only interact with kids with, with the, the screen present. And it's alarming. Now, here's what I did with, with my kids, just by way of comparison. I started taking our oldest son, Daniel, out to eat from the time he was very young. The hardest age, parents, you know, you relate to this, the hardest age is about a year and a half. When your kid turns a year and a half, he's transitioned from being a baby when the babies are cute and they kind of sit there, they're lumps, and they're starting to get very independent. Now, for some kids, it happens at a, at a year, some kids a little bit later, but really that year and a half that they're, they're not fully mobile, but they want to be, they want to experience life and they're demanding 
for you to know what their needs are, right? That's where all that noise and loudness comes from. And so we still would take in places because my wife and I had an active social life and the, the, you know, we just took our son places with us. And, you know, I could see him testing me. I could see what he was trying to do when he would throw food in restaurants and things like that. But never, not once, not ever did we give him a screen at the table. Now I'm gonna flash forward to my son is now 6'2 and he's 14 years old and he's a big kid, still a little kid to me, always be my, my baby, but he's a big guy now. And I, I, he goes out to eat with us and has conversations with adults and is able to interact and is present at the table. But he's more importantly, not just about restaurants, he's present in life. And the screen is just one part of the problem, right? Even before we had iPads as a commonplace thing, I remember cars started having TV screens in them or you know, you could throw in a DVD, a little screen would drop from the ceiling or be attached to a seat in the back. And I know moms and dads who pop the CD in and get in the car and watch the movie. But gone was the look out the window and talk with your parents about what you see and argue with your siblings and interact. And increasingly, the, the thing that has me worried is that parents, we are, we are outsourcing parenting to gadgets. We're outsourcing parenting to medication. Oh, there's a problem? Your kid doesn't wanna sit down and be still for you know, longer than two minutes? Medicate them. Right? I mean, this, and you'll, you'll go to doctors and they'll push it on you. They'll say, well, your kid needs meds. It's not, and I mentioned this yesterday, that it's not a coincidence entirely that all of this dysfunction that is certainly on the rise, indisputable, that it coincides with the rise in prescriptions of antidepressants and the SSRIs, talking about Lexapro, Prozac, Zoloft, those kind of drugs. I mean, we're just handing this out now like candy. We're giving kids screens to buy, make it easier for us as adults to have a good time. We have a problem, you know, we gotta fix it, gotta medicate it. We have broken homes, we have fathers who refuse to step up and be men in their son's lives. And I'm gonna say this too, it's very unpopular to talk about this as a gender problem, but these are predominantly young men that are doing this stuff. 82%, there was a study, they looked at 56 school shooters. 82% of them grew up in dysfunctional homes and most of those dysfunctional homes had fathers that were, were absentee or not in the picture. Men, fathers, if you have a son and daughter, for that matter, you have an obligation to be there, to be a role model, to be present. See, it's easier to get on Twitter and it's easier to get on Facebook and rant about gun control because then you don't have to take responsibility. It's not on you. And I think these solutions here are gonna take a while but they're gonna come from within. Government can't do it for you. It starts in your home.
in your life. So the challenge is tonight, even for adults, turn the screens off, put your phone away, talk to your kids, demand that everybody gather for a dinner together. Because meaningful societal change doesn't start in Washington, it starts in the home. And we all can play a role in that. All right, Sam Rajofsky here. You're listening to The What's Right Show. We're going to have Chris May on after the break talking about his HOA hell that he is in. Oh, you're going to want to hear this, and it might make you a little upset. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Sam and Ash here with a What's Right PSA. If you've been hurt and a lawyer reaches out to you first, run the other way. It's unethical and honest lawyers don't do it. Don't let your lawyer choose you. If a tow truck driver, mechanic, or anyone at the ER tells you which injury lawyer to hire, chances are that person has a shady deal with the lawyer. Don't risk your future with a crooked lawyer. Choose the law firm you know you can trust. Call us 702-820-1234 or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. You have found the right place to be. Sam Rajovsky here. You're listening to What's Right. And uh, as per usual, if you need to hear any portion of this program again or you miss the live show, your 24-7 Sanity Lifeline is the podcast. Search for What's Right Show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe. Also find me on Instagram and on Twitter at What's Right Show is the show handle and What's Right Sam is my personal uh, my personal social media. At any rate, all right, we need to tackle something that's going on locally here. I also think this is a problem that a lot of people face all across the country when they buy their dream home in a nice neighborhood and they go to close, right? You go to the escrow office and, and you sit down and you've got to sign all those documents. And one of the forms that you have to sign is an acknowledgement of your neighborhood's CCNRs, which are the rules that govern the HOA, should you live in an HOA. Now, I as many of you know, I'm a recovering Californian. I moved here from California a few years back, very happy that I did so. But because I lived most of my life in a place called Irvine, which is extremely regulated when it comes to HOAs, I came here, I moved to town, I was not going to live in another HOA. So I've specifically bought a home that is not in an HOA because I do not like these power-hungry people. In my experience, I think I shared this with you earlier in the week, I, I've actually dealt with the board from being on it on the inside. I was on a board for my first home that I had that I ever bought. bought my first home at 24, and I eventually got on the board because everybody else on the board was bananas except for one person, and that one person needed backup, so he begged me to join the board, and I did, and it was awful. It was an awful experience. At any rate, here in Henderson is a guy named Chris. I've got him on the line. Chris, can you hear me? Yes, I can, sir. Well, thanks for joining us, Chris. 
Uh, I'm gonna Thank quickly. You. I'm gonna quickly set this up. You live in Henderson. You live in a nice community. There is an HOA in 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 effect, and they are very upset with you because you have a "Let's Go Brandon" sign on the tailgate of your beautiful red pickup truck. Now, there's some other stickers on it. I think something about liberals and their feelings. I'm looking at it here. Uh, there are some flags that you had at one point. You also have a Cancer Bites sticker on the back of the truck, but it's the Let's Go Brandon sticker that they're upset with you about. Tell me about what's been going on. Uh, a couple months ago, back in January, I bowl in a uh, military bowling tournament at the South Point. So to show my appreciation, I always, you know, fly my flags to the South Point and they, they park my truck up top to display it and stuff like that. So after the tournament was over, I just left the flags on. Um, I never had an issue uh, years ago when, when Trump was in office, when I had my Trump flag. So never thought of anything. So they violated me for my, um, my flags. Um, so I was nice and they said it was a sign or a billboard. So I took the, the, the sign or the flags off. Um, and I figured, you know, I have stickers all over my truck that I said, it's my personal vehicle. I put a, let's go Brandon sticker on the tailgate of my truck. Um, sure enough, um, they violated me again. Um, after I was, after that got the violation, I asked for a hearing. Um, we went to a hearing, uh, on May 10th. Um, I brought up Supreme Court cases all the way back to 1971, showing it, we, you know, freedom of speech and you can't govern what's on like people's vehicles and stuff like that. Um, and within less than 24 hours, they came with a decision that stated that I had to take the sticker off or I would get fined. I'd have to take it off on, by May 13th or I'd get fined on May 13th. And then every week after that, if I didn't have it off, they would find me another hundred dollars. So at the right. moment, right. So you're, um, you're dealing, you're dealing with that. Got it. Now I, I'm going to tell you something that I know I've told you privately, but I think the audience will want to know this too, because our listeners, uh, I'm, I'm sure feel very strongly about this issue. The, as it currently stands, the associations, HOAs are not technically the government. They're, those are private those are private regulations that you have accepted or you accept at the time of you joining uh, or purchasing your home. And so the, you know, your first amendment free speech rights are, 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 can be in effect limited, but only to a point here in Nevada. And that's, that's kind of brings me to the, the solution here in all this uh, in Nevada, we're one of several States in the country that protect us from having associations completely limit political signs, right? And, and the, the, the limitation here is that you can have a sign that can't exceed a certain size, and that's set in the Nevada Revised Statutes, but you can have political signs. And so one of the things that is a solution, I think, for people to know and be aware of, that if your association does send you a nasty gram letter, look at the, at the size of the sign, and I think the dimensions are 36 by 24 inches. If it doesn't exceed 26 by 34, uh, 24 by 36 inches, you're, you're fine. You can have the sign up and you're protected by law to put up political signs in, in, in front of your house. So I know we talked about that part of it. I, I want to ask you this, Chris. 
I mean, you're now you're getting and you've gotten letters from even attorneys, right, representing the the homeowners association. I, I mean, I, I know that you you try you went back and forth with this with this attorney. I, I, if, if I may, I'm I'm going to read. I mean, just some of it is it, it, some of the most outrageous, argumentative and and cruel language that this guy is using. He's threatening you, this is back on February 24th, to get an yeah. expensive civic lesson. He's telling you that he's going to sue the, basically the heck out of you. He, he's explaining to you, he's telling you that this is uh, gonna, gonna cost you a ton, a ton of money. I mean, it, this, this was really crazy and you, you kept your cool and, and were arguing back and forth with him, but how did all of this feel? You know, it feels it feels like I can't even live in my own home um, and and express you know my own feelings. Like we bought this house. This is my first, and um, we we moved into this neighborhood because my wife is from Long Island, and this whole place is central around New York. And so we love the neighborhood, but I just I, I don't like being attacked by the HOA and the the, the management company, and for this lawyer to. I've never even heard of when I responded to the uh, management association. And then now here he is attacking me. Um, it just, it, it doesn't feel right on my end. Cause I don't, I'm not a lawyer. I I'm, I'm just a, a normal citizen. So he's using all this big legal terms that I don't know a hundred percent about. And I, you know, don't know what to do at this sometimes sometimes yeah this this guy this lawyer william wright bill wright he's a hoa lawyer he gets hired by associations to beat up on homeowners in fact they're using your money that you pay the association every month in dues using your money to attack you as a resident uh, mm -hmm. do, do you get the impression how, how do the other neighbors feel about this uh, this particular situation um, so, yeah, I've had a lot of over the past week or so um, and tell me how happy and proud they are that I have stood up to this HOA and the president um, because she's been there for 20 years and she runs it like it's her own little like playground. And a lot of people are scared of her because she just has this this tone and attitude towards it that you know this is her place and she built it and everything like that and it'll run by her rules um so i've had numerous people come up to me and say that they're proud of me that they want to try and uh you know clean up the swamp and get and, and have a nice neighborhood to live in where you're not scared to leave a trash can out um and have two inches showing and, and you get in trouble for it well the problem with that is and i think a lot of people who have been in your position know that th these board members, some of them can get so deep into ticky-tack offenses, and they do like to target people, right? And so that's one thing boards can't do because at that point it's harassment. If you're singling somebody out because you don't like their political affiliation and you go after them for every little violation of the CCNRs, but maybe you don't do that with everyone in the neighborhood, then that is a problem. Uh, that's can... where, you know, that's where boards get into trouble and that's where they're, and by the way, this, this gal is a realtor in town, uh, she, the association president, Michelle Barth. Uh, she presumably wants to do business with all people. So she's, you know, putting herself, in my view, in a position with, that's very challenging. 
Uh, and I, I, I certainly welcome them to reach out to me, Sam at SamAndAshLaw.com. I'd love to hear their side of this story. But I, I can tell you from what I'm seeing, and I've reviewed the emails because you sent them to me, Chris. This, is, this lawyer is, uh, is, a, is a douchebag. I don't know how else to put it. And, and the fact that he's being, uh, he's being paid by the association, by a president who's made a decision to, to go after you. And it's really, I'll, I'll tell you, what the, the premise of the, and, and I'm reading through it all, the premise of it is, is that your sticker, Let's Go Brandon, means something else and that it is noxious and offensive. So they are asking you to remove it, not because it's a political sign. They're asking you to remove it because they determined that it is offensive. And my argument in it, very simply, is it's actually not. It's euphemistic language, and that's what's, it's a funny joke, and, and, it, and it, it, it can mean whatever it means, but it's, it's not offending any children present, right? Nobody's looking at it and seeing the F word. And, re, and, and the problem is, is that you have people in your association that don't like you and you, you know, you trashing the president and, and they, they, they find that they find that important. So they're going after you for your politics, which I don't think is right. And I think if they continue to pursue you the way that they have, they're going to run afoul of, of the law themselves. They're going to find themselves getting countersued by you for for damages, for getting for getting harassed in your own neighborhood and diminishing your quality of, of, of living uh, that you're entitled to your quiet enjoyment of your of your property. So we're going to follow this this closely, and and please keep uh, keep me informed. You and I will continue talking uh, offline yeah. about this. But uh, but Godspeed, and I, I'm sorry you're dealing with this. And and I I'm again, folks, I'm looking at these stories. This was a Fox Five story that came out earlier in the week, and and this is not a sign that's you didn't wrap your house in a Let's Go Brandon sign. You literally have it on your truck. And you park your truck in your own driveway at night. It's not even there 24/7. I don't know. To me, it just seems uh, like a, like a gross misuse of of association resources, and and that can ultimately get uh, some people into trouble. So, there we go. Chris, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here. I'll be back right after this. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm loving all these political ads where uh, one of these candidates apparently is less than worthy for having once lived, I guess, in Texas. Hey, we're all transplants from somewhere. I think maybe there's five or six of you out there that, <laughs> that, that, that were born and raised here. The rest of us have all, you know, come from somewhere else. And that's part of the experience right now. I'm looking at the statistics of people leaving and moving around the U.S. generally. The numbers are uh, the highest they've ever been since recorded time in the U.S. They are, it's, the numbers are astounding. But, of course, an enormous drain of people leaving cities. This is how the Wall Street Journal put it. They're leaving cities. I want to put an asterisk by that. They're leaving densely populated Democrat strongholds. And they are leaving, for the most part, for other densely populated Republican-controlled strongholds, such as ooh, Southern Florida. I mean, Miami's pretty densely populated, but again, you've got at least a governor there that is more reasonable, and people during the pandemic 
saw the long arm of government and how it could affect their lives. And it brings me to the important conclusion I mentioned that I had an opportunity yesterday to chat a little bit with privately uh, with April Becker, who's running for Congress, and, and tell you how important it is that we here in Nevada do not become a lesser version of California. And the greatest concern I have here in Nevada is that all these Californians coming in who have left California for the obvious reasons, they're getting taxed to death, homelessness out of control, crime skyrocketing, schools in the toilet. Well, you know, we have, we have a thing or two to say about that here, don't we? And they're, they're the California dream that, that brought my parents all the way to, you know, cross from Chicago to North Carolina and, and, and end up in California in, in 1983. The California dream was a real thing. And I think we're at a threshold here in Nevada where we need to get real with, with ourselves and understand that, you know, we don't have the ocean. The weather is, well, it's a touch hot right now, isn't it? It's going to get hotter. Our water situation is what it is. So what do we have? I mean, I know we have a, a ton of natural beauty here, no doubt, but we also are not Laguna Beach. We are not Santa Monica, but we're also not either of those two places in a lot of good ways. And we need to be the answer to California. And I, I talked about this with Gerard Romalo as well. And you can pick up our conversation that we had. We had an extended conversation after the show yesterday. And uh, Gerard is running for Nevada Secretary of State. Great guy, has my endorsement. And I, I have to say that, you know, in that podcast, by the way, pick that up on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Look for What's Right Show. And that special was posted last night. So, so do listen to it. Gerard has some great ideas. But the point is, we have to be an answer to California in a positive way. We have to be a small government state. We have to be an economic opportunity state. We have to fix our education here. What Clark County is doing to the schools in, in our city is, is unreal. CCSD is a disaster. I've talked about this ad nauseum. But it's not just about low taxes. You know, they're, we're having fees creep up. Uh, you know, they're nickel and diming us here for everything. We have to prevent ourselves from becoming another overgrown state bureaucracy. And we have to elect small government officials. And we have to elect Republicans that have a spine. Because what happens is, and this is before my time, but many of you can, I'm sure, identify with this and know exactly what I'm talking about. It wasn't that long ago that we had a Republican governor, a Republican legislature. We had a Republican congressional delegation. And all that went away. But in the time that we had it, what did they do? What did they give us? Not a whole lot. They didn't give us voter ID. They didn't streamline the state. And it's because many of the people that went up to Carson City were weenies. They just got up there and wanted to go along and get along. And this is the affliction that Republicans have. They want to be liked. I have long said that bipartisanship 
isn't what it means. Bipartisanship, that's code for Republicans doing what Democrats want. You'll never hear about bipartisanship, about Democrats bending to what Republicans want. That never happens. It's always the other way around. And so my recommendation this election season is is pick people who've got some balls. Have some guts. April Becker for Congress, she's got it. She doesn't care. She could give a rat's rear end about what they think of her in Washington. Now, she's not going to fix our problems here at home in Nevada because she's part of our congressional delegation, but she's going to fix some national stuff for us. And I, I just, I, I think that's the answer. You have to have, you know, common sense principled conservatives that are, you know, all about small government, that are all about less government, that encourage economic opportunity, put that at the top of the agenda. And then certainly folks that are going to have the same tenacity that they have on the campaign trail when they actually get into office. And don't just want to go to the parties and slap people on the back and and have a grand old time. So that is what I think of this. All right, we got to run. It's been a great show again. Again, the podcast, What's Right Show. Find that on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe. My Instagram, What's Right Sam. My Twitter is the same handle. The show has What's Right Show, Instagram and Twitter. Follow us for all the latest haps. And friends, I'll see you again tomorrow.